numbers because I never know where I am to the Unbeatable Life podcast. And yeah. today's guest, I will let him introduce himself as I always do. And we'll go through there and explore the conversation and see where it takes us. So over to you, Brian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my name is Brian St. Louis. Um, I was born actually in Montreal, Canada, uh, but I grew up in New York. And so I'm uh, loving it. it. It was a very great transition, I think, personally. I mean, I was so young when it happened, but <laughs> but I still love the fact that I could say I grew up in New York. But right now I'm actually currently in, in Canada. I'm back in Canada. I live out in here in Calgary. Um, I'm I'm a husband uh, to one wife. Uh, <laughs> husband to one wife. Um, I'm a father to, I say two children, but one that I'm currently able to, um, to father. Uh, and then also... Um, I'm a pastor by profession. I'm a podcaster by hobby. Uh, I love basketball. I'm there's so many things about me, man. It, but you know, overall, I, you know, this is this is who I am. Um, just a lover of conversations as well. And so when I saw your podcast, I definitely definitely saw something of value to to be able to come on to and accept, man. So I'm happy you really you allowed me to to come onto your show, Grant. I appreciate it. So I was like, Montreal? That's not Montreal accent. There's no chance, man. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> there, there, there seems to be a theme running through the, these beginning podcasts. Accents. First guy was uh, East Coast Canada, and he's pure French accent. I'm like, mm. that's the... I mean, I mean, maybe you can't tell, but I've been in Canada now for 20 years. Oh, wow. Right? So oh, wow. the accent, accent isn't getting any better. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you in new york so i i lived in new york for about what like 20 years of my life because we we moved to new york when i was one and oh, so, that, right. so i really don't know montreal like that but i spent i mean we would go back during summers and everything of the sort you know kind of thing but uh i spent most of my life in new york until i went to university in michigan and and that's where i ended up meeting my wife too but most of my life that's where i spent in new york uh long island area cool so I'm not. I'm not up in my US schools. My son probably knows more because he watches football and knows all about US yeah. football and all. So what's Michigan? What are they? Um, well, I mean, you got Michigan State University. Uh, let me see. I mean, there's there's multiple universities out yeah. there in, in Michigan. But I went to Andrews University. It was more so of a theological school, that, and that's where I went to to do my studies. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. Definitely learned a lot. It was, it was a great place to be. Um, too many cornfields for me though. And yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm happy to be out of that area. It's a, it's a good area to like, you know, I guess grow and cultivate yourself. Cause it's really not much around too. So you have to learn who you are. Um, but I've definitely taking that opportunity I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be out here in calgary calgary is a nice place it's kind of like the best of both worlds you get you get your city you know yep. you get your mountains which i'm definitely not used to so i love to see all the time and then you get a little bit of that country living too so it's really like you get a plethora of different types of places to live out here in calgary so what, what drew you to the theology side of things oh man so <laughs> You know, my my dad is a pastor, grandfather is a pastor, you know, um, 
it's it's kind of running my family but then for me i I didn't see any of my siblings because I have four siblings. Um, I didn't see any of my siblings going to ministry, going to theology. Uh, so I thought for myself, you know, that that sh- I'm going to have to take up the mantle. Take you know, up the mindset. Yeah, take the torch, you know. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because, you know, for since I was a kid, I, I did say to myself that I was going to be a pastor. Um, but after I graduated, man, there, <laughs> there was so much that I went through in my life that I actually came to the conclusion um, that I wasn't going to be a pastor anymore, you know, and and I spent seven years before I even found myself in a position to to be a pastor. And and I really did think that uh, for a while it was it just wasn't going to be what it was. And there was a different path for me and everything of the sort. But, you know, as the years came by, I just not it wasn't even a decision of mine, but when someone asked me for it and to, to come out to Canada to, to take the position, you know, I, I, at first was, I was very hesitant. I actually said no. And, and then my friend went to my wife and and she, (laughs) (laughs) he, he, he backslid me, man. He went to my wife, man. And she, and she told me, she said, if the opportunity, you always said, if the opportunity came about that you would at least explore it. And I'm a man of my word, so I decided to explore it. And um, you know, I'm here now. It's been over. Was it been almost almost three years in in June that I've been doing this full time now? So what did, what did you do for the seven year in between? So I mean, you committed to this route. You gone yeah. to university. You're taking that what is a four year degree program. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're really getting into the study side of things, and then you come out and go, yeah. I'm not so, sure. <laughs> so, so what did you do at that point? So this is what happened, man. Um, when I when I came out of university, I'm a very community oriented individual, and you know I care about what's what's actually out there to to help people. Um, and one of the things that I kind of saw uh, lackluster within you know pastoral ministry or or pulpit ministry is you see a lot of pastors who love to preach, but, you know, we don't really see a lot of them out there in the community and helping, you know, um, those who are broken, you know, helping the homeless, you know, reaching out uh, to, to individuals who are, who, are, who are needing their impact. And so I told myself, I don't ever want to be that individual that becomes just a preacher without imp- trying to impact the world, trying to help those who are just around the corner from me you know, preaching to congregations, but then seeing someone who's here on the road and and not even helping a hand. And so what happened was when I started working at the juvenile detention facility, um, while I was doing my master's program, uh, I think that that's what was the turning point for me, because I saw a group of kids that were, for for lack of better words, they, they just weren't well taken care of. And, and I found an opportunity for us as a church to to help in that regard and but when i brought it to certain people's attention it didn't fit their it just didn't fit their mold didn't fit the narrative of what they wanted yeah and so when i saw that i think that that was one of the things that uh, started my my um disinterest in wanting to be like this like a, a pastor in that sense and so, but ever since that moment, I just started going full fledged more so into youth 
um, mentorship. Um, you know, I started working at the juvenile. I was working at the juvenile detention facility for a few years. I ended up getting into bodybuilding for, for a while. I started mentoring like youth in fitness, ended up going to teaching at a school, which I never saw my life doing. <laughs> Cause I was, I was that kid in New York. You know, we, it's not that I didn't take my, my studies seriously. I was, I was also, you know, high honor roll in my junior and senior year, but you know, it wasn't, I wasn't that guy that I thought I would ever be a teacher, you know? Um, but to find myself in that position, I was working with a lot of at-risk youth and I personally don't like to call them at-risk youth. I like to call them kids that are misunderstood mm -hmm. because um, it, a lot of them need that love. They, they just need attention. They need understanding. And I was willing to do that for them. And man, I was able to build such great relationships with them you know, that, that are, you know, teacher and student type. Uh, and we saw so much progress right, in, in our students. And so I found myself in a place where I was constantly working around youth and, and youth mentorship and youth um, empowerment, you know, um, helping them to get either certifications or going into uni. And then, so when the position was asked for me to go back into pastoring, I was like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> you know, like I was in a community, we were, we were, I felt like we were helping in a very tangible, practical yeah. way. Um, and what happened was basically, I felt like God was just telling me, Hey, listen, man, everything that you just did in those seven years, I want you to do when you get to that place, when you get to um, pastoral ministry so that people can see what it is to do. So it's not just about preaching. It's not just about, you know, um, having a word or, or being there for church people. It's about being there for anyone who needs you. And that was one, one of the things that I decided to take with me. And uh, I just continue to move forward with that, man, as I continue to move in life. Cool. So, so as you know, I mean, well, you don't know, actually, um, <laughs> I, I grew up in the church. I mean, mm. my mom is one of them. You'll be at Sunday school every week. Yeah, right, yeah, so it was yeah. the Sunday best on walk to the yeah. church, mm -hmm. and that was every week. And you know, through scouting and stuff like that, it was I would do the readings and at the church, and it was kind of cool for a part because our minister at one point was an ex Royal Marine, mm, um, and he'd served sure. in the Second World War. Oh, right, wow. so I mean, as as a teenage kid, you know, I'm like he's exciting. Right. But <laughs> right, right, right. As I grew up, you know, I separated away from that and you know, mm. question and all the rest. But you said something that was kind of for me. So I grew up inside um the Protestant faith, right? Mm -hmm. So the Church mm -hmm. of Scotland. So he's a minister, but you, you used two words, I think you said pulpit and preacher, pastor. So is there a difference? Um, you know, no, there's no difference. When I say I, I'm probably using terms that I'm just uh, like I just use in my head uh, typically, but when I say pastor, you know, pulpit ministry, that, that all is encompassing the same thing right there. Um, you know, pastoral ministry, uh, to make it simple, it's just pastoral ministry, you know, um, being there for, for individuals, um, preaching every week, uh, visitations, uh, you know, building programs, building ministries and, and equipping and empowering the people as we continue to move forward. So that, that, I mean, yeah, to, to make it simple, it's just, just, pastoral ministry gotcha so yeah. you're in calgary now you've been there three years yeah three years three years man so it's just as cold i mean it's, it's colder than new york oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's nice 
That's not even a question, man. It's it's it, it doesn't snow as bad. Um, no, you don't get we get these things because we get those Chinooks that yep. come from the wind uh, from the from the mountains. So those are the warm winds that come. But it's uh, it, it definitely gets colder. I'm talking about negative 40 degrees just like two or three weeks ago. And I was I was thinking about calling back, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what can I move to like California or something? Man? But yeah, it's, it definitely gets cold out here. So hold on, is there a job board for like preachers? You can log on and go. Hey, well, I, mean, I, I mean, there, there are different positions. There are different positions all over the, you know, all over the globe. But um, for me, it's, it's important to know where you're called to. And uh, that, that's something you have to do personally with God, man. Hey, don't, don't just move just because of your personal interest. You know, if God has you stationed somewhere, make sure you you're doing that role where you're supposed to be. So what are you doing in Calgary right now? So are you start past, are you still involved in youth and the community and aspect in that? Yeah. So that's, that's where we're, so I am a youth pastor actually to be more even specific. So that's why I'm, I'm even happier to be in that role because I've been working with youth for like seven years of my life, let's say eight years even. So uh, to have gone into a, like a senior pastor role right away, I probably wouldn't have been as, as uh, excited for that, but to work with youth, you know, that, that was definitely something that, that enticed me uh, because I've had that passion for you for so long. Uh, but yeah, man, we're yeah, COVID. COVID definitely took a toll on what we wanted to do, um, especially last year. Because even some of the things that we that we were looking to do, man, were they they had to be canceled or they had to be, you know, shut down. Um, certain programs that we we're looking to do in the community definitely got held back. Um, but man, we're we're just always trying to have our have, have ourselves out there as much as we can you know um i don't know if you heard about the the hailstorm that happened yeah i seen the, the pictures summer. yep yeah that thing was crazy man oh my like i drove so me and my buddy we drove around it's around more so the saddle ridge area in calgary and man it it honestly felt like a it felt like a movie like yeah you, it was apocalyptic through, yeah <laughs> it was insane and and you're just sitting there you're watching the whole thing happen and oh, sorry, not watching the whole thing happen, but you're seeing all the homes, all the brokenness. Yeah. You're seeing these people sweep up. And I looked at him and I said, listen, man, we're going to grab a group of people from the church. And and I called the MLA in um, in Calgary, found a way to for us to, to connect. And we ended up, you know, taking one of our Saturdays and just cleaned up, man, cleaned up like over 10 homes and, um, and, and property areas. And some of the people were even asking us, like, why are you guys doing it? We're like, man, we, we just want to help, you know? And I remember like a family came out when we were, when we were helping, you know, cause they're probably like, who are these people on our grass? Strangers <laughs> <laughs> just showing up in my property in Calgary. Right. But you know, she came out, man. She was so happy because, and, that, and that's the thing that's, that was, that was interesting with COVID is that, you know, some, so many people were, you know, doctors and nurses and she was a nurse who has been stuck in a hospital all week and so when we came out there she never even had an opportunity to try and even uh clean up her home yeah. because she was stuck at the hospital all week and so when she saw that you know she you even see the tears coming out of her eyes and then you know she baked us something i you know coming back to it i probably was you know i probably <laughs> should have thought about maybe not eating that because <laughs> because of covid <laughs> But man, it was just like, it, it was one of those moments you, you realize that 
your impact goes deeper than than what it may seem. It doesn't matter how small of an act it may it may seem as yep. well, man. It, it could could help somebody's day or life. It's know? a huge ripple effect. Yeah, huge. Sure. Yeah, and if any, I mean anybody listening to this is that if you don't know, you should go and Google hailstorm Calgary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it looked like somebody was just throwing baseballs through no, houses, seriously. windows, cars. It was just going through everything. And it just cut a swath right across the city. It was like, what? Like, yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was insane. It was nuts, man. And, and then I think they said it was anywhere close to about a billion dollars in property damage. Is that um, what it was? Yeah, some like billion dollar property damage, including like, you know, car insurance yeah. and everything of the sort. I saw somebody's Lamborghini out there. <laughs> That was busted. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You think you should have got Lamborghini? You should be in the garage. That's what I'm saying, bro. Look, 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 man. I'm not, I'm not out here trying to judge nobody. But if you got a Lamborghini, or if you have, you know, um, because I see some even in Chestermere, there's some Bentleys that are outside. I'm like, listen, put that thing in the garage. Why do I see a Bentley? outside in the park I mean, just in your in your driveway like yeah it's calgary winter come on people you're uh, driving a lambo <laughs> i mean my kids follow a guy uh run about here and it's called mm-hmm. daily driven exotics oh nice right and these guys drive the lamborghinis and the ferraris like all year round mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they take them, it's like they take them up to the snow up to the hills here to go skiing and stuff right so but I think they kind of park them in the garage. I don't think they just leave them lying on the street. <laughs> I, and if, if they, the person with the Lamborghini ends up catching this episode, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. And I think, but the thing is, I, uh, I think he has insurance on it anyway. Yeah. And so, you know, the, it, it wouldn't be something that would, that would mess his pockets up that bad anyway. Yeah. At least I hope not. So, um, and one of the other things, so people that won't know, no, there's no way of knowing, is one of the other things. It's like when I was looking at your profile, it's like, dude, where's Big Pony? <laughs> he likes his Ralphies. Oh, yeah. And that, see, yeah. that's not very Canadian, as you probably know. No, that must oh, be I your New not. York influence. It must be. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Um, for me, I, for me, I'm not, you know, I'm actually not big into, into like styling. I like to look nice, but I'm not I'm not one of those guys that focuses too much on like the brand, you know, because I'm also a kind of bigger guy. So it it I got I just have to find the right thing that fits me well. And, and <laughs> I know also, that feeling, you know, man. I know that feeling. Yeah, and just it just looks good on me, you know, because I have like those broad shoulders. I, you know, I did bodybuilding um for a while. So I have the broader shoulders, um, tapered waist. I, uh, probably not right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be it's real here. somewhere. I used to like, see it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's there. It's covered up, right? Bodies a temple and right. ruined. There you go. There, there you go. But you know, it's it for me. I, I mean, I, I've always liked the brand for Polo. Um, definitely, definitely has higher quality clothing. Um, but I'm always about just. I, I don't I don't care to buy the, the fanciest thing or try to always go for name brand clothing. If something looks good, it feels yeah. good. It's of good quality. I'm good to go, man. That's that's how I because I remember, man, I was I was in the seventh grade. And so my parents, you know, my dad's a pastor, like I told you, my mom was a teacher. 
And so we didn't have a lot of money growing up in New York. You got five kids you had to feed. I'm the youngest of, of five. Uh, so seven years old, I was what, 11, 12 years old. My oldest brother is 24, you know, so at that time, because he's 12 years older than me. And so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I couldn't keep up with with the with the highest mm-hmm. end of clothing or shoes, and especially shoes, man. <laughs> shoes like brother i mean even even in new york back in that di- back in that time you couldn't step on some of these sneakers that's an automatic fight if you stepped on some of these sneakers and, and i knew and I, I and if you're in a the city there are people who got shot over <laughs> over stepping on your sneakers yeah. it's just a real thing but so for me i remember uh and this is when i realized i was like i i don't care anymore i was in the seventh grade i bought these red and white nikes man red and white nikes they were so fresh amazing man high tops or normals 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 normals, yep. shoes, man. yeah but nice shoes man nice shoes i felt proud you know i was ready to 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 tell the world that i got some nice sneakers and it wasn't even that expensive i got them on marshalls for like 50 bucks but it was just at the right place the right time right money and mind you, I'm saying I got it. I didn't get nothing. My parents got that from me. <laughs> My parents got that from me. And that's another thing I had to realize. These kids are always talking about, oh, this and this and that. Those are their parents buying it for them, you know? And most of them were maybe um, one or two um, siblings that were at the home. So I remember I walked down this the, the hill because I lived in a cul-de-sac, but you had to walk down the hill to the bus. And as I was walking down, they saw my sneakers from the top of the hill. They saw, like, no joke. they saw my sneakers from the top of the hill and they told me they're like yo brian brian has the illest sneaker oh my goodness and so i walked on the bus feeling like a king i felt so good i was like wow you know i'm being seen in this regard you know because people knew me but like i everyone also knew that i wasn't the, the flashiest or nicest dresser so to actually get that kind of credibility felt good I walked in the bus, man, felt it was an amazing day. Throughout the whole day, people were talking about my sneakers, talking about my sneakers, because it was just like, wow, Brian actually got the right sneakers. Grant, I thought that I was in the right place. The next day, I put on the same sneakers. (laughs) I put on the same sneakers, and I'm feeling good. And I walked down the hill, and it was the complete exact opposite response that i expected they were like yo why is he wearing the same sneakers again and i was just like are you kidding me are you for real and and so i'm getting clowned on one day and i felt like a king the other and at that moment that's when i realized i said you can't please everyone man and i'm not here to try to please people either i'm not even going to try to i don't care anymore man i'm just going to live me and that's how I started. Ever since, ever since that time, man, I felt like my confidence also grew. Because I realized at that point, I was like, what's the point? I, I was kind of about 18, 19, and I told us about this one on our podcast when that happened. And it was when I joined the military, that happened for me. But I know mm. people in the 40s, they haven't had that awakening moment yet. You know? <laughs> like, what? But yeah, I've got a similar sneaker story. I was the same uh, where I grew up. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. My dad is in between yeah. jobs. It's, it's central Scotland in the 80s. Industry's mm-hmm. declining, things like that. I mean, I had a job till I was 10. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, we didn't need buy running shoes and sneakers and things like that. 
And I remember wanting to buy my first pair of Adidas and I had to pay for them myself. Must have felt good, man. But it was like, the, at that point, and I don't know, know if they still exist in the range, it was like the top of the range, but I think was uh, Adidas Samba. Mm. And then it was Adidas Mamba. And then it was Adidas Kick. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I couldn't afford the Samba. I couldn't justify my head to buy the Samba, but there was no way I was buying the Kick. So mm-hmm. <laughs> to get in that middle of the road, Mambas. <laughs> But today, or just yesterday, um, my oldest is 13. I'm the oldest of four boys. But my oldest is 13. Oh, nice. And he's just getting to that stage now. He's like, I don't like what mom buys me. It's <laughs> like, okay, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. And he's like, it's like, come on, we'll go and find you some new running shoes then, or new shoes. And he's like, it's, it's a take him yesterday. And he's like, so, so what do we like? What were these? Nah toes turn up so running shoes toes turn up so that's all running shoes at disney matter who makes them and i'm like okay try another one it's like nah i don't like that i don't like the toe in that one yeah i don't like that one you know i said really what we're here for is air force ones let's just get to the point is air force ones enough and he's like yeah okay <laughs> but he can't he find air force ones in his size so he's Aww. 13, but he's not a big boy. So he's in between yeah. top end of that kids, low end of the adults. And if anybody's got teenagers right now that can find me a six and a half adult Air Force <laughs> One in white, I'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in all these very different shops, like Sport Check and Canadian Sport Retailer, just in case, and Foot Locker, yeah. they're all over. You know, couldn't he get them? He ended mm. up trying a size eight on, right? Mercy. It's like, the guy in the shop's telling me afterwards, yeah, they fit about a size and a half smaller for yeah. your normal feet. So for him, he was like trying a size nine or something on. He's just six and a half. And he's like, I think they might be a bit big. <laughs> with, with clown feet. But he was so focused in getting these now. Yeah. He's using his own money. Mm. He does have a job. He's got a paper route. You know, he does it once a week. And this is his own money he wants to oh, spend yeah. in these, right? So, you know, the value... 120 buck training shoes mm-hmm. fine but the disappointment couldn't get him to see anything else i'm like well do you know the, the adidas are kind of like that nah don't like the red in them since the pumas nah don't like the writing on them hmm. they, nah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, but we're gonna need to get you a new pair of shoes he's like yeah okay but then but on the way home he apologizes and says sorry for wasting your time i'm like you're oh. not wasting my time, man. Well, of course not, kid. It's yeah. fine. I said, just sorry, we, you know, we did define your shoes. Like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how we revolve around these sneaker things. And I think one of the earliest things is that um, my kids get right into Macklemore, and he's got mm. the whole song about these sneakers and stuff like that. So that kind of the story of that is like, yep, I know exactly what that feels yeah. like, you know. So uh, I'm glad you did that as a father, though, man. That you. You were able to, you know, tell him, hey, man, you know, you're not wasting my time. Any time spent with you is a, is a good time, man. So I'm, I'm glad you did that. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to bar him in the head. He's doing a stupid your teenage boy. <laughs> right. Trying to get him to see the practicality side of things. It's like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. you don't have practicality when you're 13. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. it comes, man. <laughs> <laughs> when? When does it come? Come on. You're working uh, with youth day in, day out. When does it come? Mercy. <laughs> I, I think it comes, man, when you have the right individual that also helps them to to see certain things, you know, because 
Sometimes, you know, as kids, man, we don't listen to our parents. Let's be real. You know, when I was, <laughs> around, when I was around that age, you know, I was, I, I thought I knew more than my dad or my mom. You know, it was just yep. like, what, what do I know? I don't know anything, but I, I, I definitely, you know, there was certain times, you know, you think, you know, more and, and so sometimes it's, it's good to hear from a mentor, you know, I think kids around that age, you know, 14 to like 17, 18 years old, it's good to have that mentor who's able to also speak some of the same truths that some of their parents may be saying, or even more, you know, cause they, they need that other source of, uh, of listening. Uh, cause sometimes we just don't listen to our parents, but that mentor also should be pointing them back to the parent to let them know, like, of course, if the parent is telling them the right information and actually, you know, yeah. guiding them in the right way, uh, but to to mentor them back to you know realizing that that your your relationship with your parents is super important. Those are the ones that you're gonna have for the rest of your life, and those are some of the ones that are gonna impact you the most. And so, you know, listen to your parents and understanding how you how how you move forward in life because you're gonna need them forever, man. Uh, and it's not necessarily for financial or or anything physical but just that me mental emotional connection is something that we never we never let go of man so you're dealing you see you're dealing with youth so what age groups are we talking about here as a youth I, pastor for you um so as a youth pastor i i deal it's kind of a bigger range um but i, I deal with you know most of the time 13 to I'd say like 13 to 19 and then but i also you know deal with young adults from that i i pretty much take all three of those ranges of ages, I would say from like a teenager all the way to 35, 36, kind of. That's, that's more the range that I feel that's where mo most of my responsibility is for. Um, so I do have a, a larger range of individuals right now. When I was teaching, it was more so just teenagers around the ages of 14 to 19. But, you know, now I, it's... It, it, it's a bigger, bigger scope, but you also just have to learn how to relate to everyone and understand the, where everyone is in their life. So, you know, as a father, I can relate to a lot of our, our um, adults around the 30, the 35 range, you know, we have homes, you know, we're, we're having dinners, uh, pre COVID <laughs> and um, you know, it, it's, it's more of that kind of connection, you know, talking about, um, you know, growing as an individual, uh, where we're at spiritually, uh, but also, you know, talking about investments, talking about, you know, how to, how to build financial wealth, how to, you know, it, it's, it's different types of conversations with the young adults. I'm dealing more so of how, how we're dealing with post, uh, post university, understanding how to find a job, you know, what you're doing next in life, next steps, you know, finding your passion, understanding who you are, those types of conversation and during the, during the teenage years, it's just, um, you know, being there. I think some of the, actually some of the greatest things I could do is just listen Yeah, uh, with those kids, man. I just listen to them. Um, they ask me questions. I answer, but a lot of it is just being able to listen, understand where they're at. Uh, Cause that generation goes through so much that we sometimes think, Oh, you're not going through anything in life, but no, it's, it's, it's real problems that they deal with, you know? might not seem grand to us but it seems grand to them and so when you listen to them when you understand where they're coming from you understand their perspective it just allows for you to be able to pour into them even more when they because then now they trust you and man it's, it's hard for kids to trust 
adults sometimes. And so when they do trust you, man, it's, it's just important for you to keep that trust and and give the insight that they need, but being able to listen with a keen ear, man. So I, I find myself in all those different ranges and try to try to adapt as, as best as I can to give everyone what I what I'm able to do at that time. Yeah, I think it's, it, let me touch on there and the, the idea of mentorship and how your mentorship perspective is, it's, you could see the exact same thing as your parents were saying, mm -hmm. but because it comes from somebody that's not your parent, mm -hmm. it seems to make more sense. It seems to make more sense. I don't know why. It's like almost like you want to collude with somebody and say, hey, listen, you know, I've just talked about this. Can you talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it, that's exactly what happened this weekend, right? So yeah. I think I was telling you before we come on air is like my wife decided she wanted to buy a Peloton. Mm -hmm. Right? Things not cheap. Yeah. If I had suggested that, if I had suggested that, I'd get my head chewed off. <laughs> I like literally chewed off. And You're my right. wife's a really, really nice person. She's a counselor by profession, you know. Um, but if I had said, oh, let's go and spend that amount of money, honey, on a bike, mm -hmm. she'd have like, who are you? Mm. But it was a friend. She's on the phone. She's talking to her friend at the weekend. She hasn't spoke to her in a couple of months. And she's like, you know, chatting away about something or something. She's like, and she looks at me and says, Hey, what do you know about Peloton? I went, <laughs> What? Can we get one? <laughs> <laughs> and she just like that. So it was, it was like, I you know, I think as an adult, as a husband, as Anna, and as a father, sometimes mm. you have to take that step back and realize that. Doesn't matter what you want, that advice that you might be giving might not be heard, but it doesn't, or it might not be felt like it's taken on board, but it doesn't mean it's not heard. And True. sometimes it's just a tiny wee word for somebody else True. that makes things click. So I think what you're saying, that's what I'm taking away from a mentorship perspective. I've looked at it mm -hmm. for that for a youth side of things, because I remember being in the scouts and things like that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. some of the, the leaders yeah i'd interacted with there is it was how you show up and you might you might disagree with your dad or you might be disagreeing with your mum but when you come in somebody's like you go oh yeah yeah my mom told me that yep. and it's like but you're my mom so i ain't listening to you <laughs> right. and that's what i mean you know anybody that's a parent has to be going through it and if you're not you really should be asking yourself a question mm. what is my kid no saying or what am i no listening to Mm. I think again, you touched on that one is that it seems to be as we're not teenagers, it's like it's a lot, a lot of listening. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But it also sounds like you're covering the gamut. You know, you were talking about financial advice and investment advice and relationship advice, and you know, yeah, they ain't uh, teaching you that in theology school. <laughs> right? It's not no. like they're sitting down and listening. <laughs> no. Sure. Man. You've got to be a pastor, but we're going to teach you how to invest in stocks, big fella. <laughs> like, what? No, 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 no. I'm here to learn. I'm listening to the theology side of things. Yeah. So yeah. where does that experience come from for you? And, you know, how do you manage that? Because, you know, like, it's hard enough as a dad and a parent getting thrown yeah. the questions, right? Thank yeah. God for Google. Old school, it used yeah. to be library. You had to go and get mm -hmm. a book or go and mm -hmm. find somebody older and wiser than you and say, true, hey, true. how did you deal with this one? Where are you picking up all this stuff from? Uh, man, honestly, um, 
I read a lot. So I do, and I don't just read theological books. You know, I read financial literacy books. I read books on, on empowering their mind. I read books on how to be more organized, you know, um, speaking about organization, you know, I was just sitting back one day and it's, it's weird, but I was looking at like my trash bin and I was just like, yo, even trash cans or garbage that is organized looks better than garbage. That's not organized. Ah, so you're an organization kind of guy. I used to not be at all. No. I used to not be. What well, freaks me out? Mess. It's 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 like you can't you can't function well in a place that's not very uh, clean, and, and so you need a clean mind, clean uh, place, and and for you to be able to to function and to to move in a in a very efficient manner, you know. And so I, I literally, I remember I wrote down the quote. Uh, I was like, even even garbage looks better organized. Imagine your life, you know? So, it, you know, all these th different things, you know, I, even I'm, I'm looking at my my library right now. I have it in, in different sections where I have like my spiritual connections. I have marital books. Like before I got married, because I got married young. I got married when I was 22. I think I read like close to 15 books before I got married. Because I was like, I already know I don't know enough. So I just want, I want to make sure that if I... See, that's a level of intellectual humility a lot of people don't have. I know mm. I don't know enough. How am I going to find it? That's real. You know? I, I, for, so so I, I like the way that you said that. Because uh, for me, it used to be a, a concept of... Or, or a mindset where I felt more so low of myself. You know, I didn't... Uh, I was... I didn't have too much great self-esteem. I was very prideful um, and I was very egotistical, but that was just because of the the lack of self, true self-worth that I found in myself and the self-esteem that I had. And so it came out in different ways to try to seem as though mm -hmm. I was a certain way. Um, but as I met my, so my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now, bro, she, she, she she uh how you, she humbled me man <laughs> she, she humbled me hard bro because it was just like there's certain things i remember i used to ask her to, you know to do certain things you know we certain even certain phrases people would call me because you know they used to call me bsl i still kind of call myself that's just my initials bsl yep but it, it became uh it became more than that you know i used to be like i am he i used to use terminologies from like the bible about god and stuff like, it was bad it was bad and I remember my wife, my girlfriend, she was just like, yeah, you need to stop that. I was like, nah, it's just a, this is a game. She was like, nah, I ain't ever going to call you that. Um, You need to relax. But I was just like, yo, who does she think she, I, and I'll never forget. She told me one time, she said, I'll trust you more when I start seeing that you trust in God more. And I was like, who is, like, who does she think she is? Like, she's coming at my relationship with God. No, I was just like, what is happening? But all of those things, man, I'll tell you right now, all of those things helped me to, to bring down my pride, uh, to understand, you know, life is not all about me. And it actually helped me to, to realize that I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything right. And kind of made me mature a little bit faster, man. So when I when it came time to get married, like I said, I, wrote, I read like 15 books, um, you, you know, and, and everything else that you're, you're asking when it comes to, you know, what else do I 
how do I know these things or how do I try to learn? I just, I just take things a day at a time. You know, I'm right now I'm, I'm going through limitless with Jim quick. Yep. That book is amazing. Uh, I think I'm on chapter nine right now. Did you take his speed reading course before it though? No, I did not. Oh man, should I take his speed? Seriously, Jim Quick speed well, reading. Take speed well, reading before you read his book. Well, okay. Well, I'm at, I'm at, I'm not there yet. So chapter ten is when you start the practicality at concept. Oh, so right. actually, I guess gotcha. I'll do the speed reading now. Thank I done his that. speed reading course a couple. <laughs> I done his speed reading course a couple of years ago. Was it? How was it? Um, I probably doubled. And so even so, though oh, I knew wow. all the techniques and I had read about it, yeah, taking the course makes a difference. And, and you know what I say, practicing it, mm-hmm. you know, through the course timeline and practicing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did throw a couple of extra techniques in there, ones that I had maybe hadn't seen myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I I doubled it. So I talk, again, talked about this and it'll come up again. I listen to audiobooks at 2.1, 2.2 awesome. speed, right? Yeah. Because I'm reading at that speed. If I try mm. and dumb it down, <laughs> or slow it down, <laughs> it's like, it's too slow for me. Mm. and I can get most of the information. Uh, but Jim Quick's one of the ones that I do like, and the like speed, uh, speed reading course was awesome. Haven't yeah. got to Limitless yet. So on books, as you can see probably behind me, I, I yeah, got I books. That. And yeah. as, I'm not showing off with that. I, like you, love to read. I've normally yeah. got four or five different books on the go at any one point in time. That's good. But I like awesome. it tidy, like you. And yeah. there's some research there is, is that if things are not tidy, your peripheral vision is always looking at that distraction. And if it's distracted, you're distracted. So the people mm. out there that say, oh, I like a messy desk. I know whatever it is. No, sir. Absolute rubbish. Real talk. You know, you're just, you're fighting against your natural instinct. Mm-hmm. Tidy your desk. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's real. So what else? So tips, 15 books before you get married. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy, Bill, but <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You know, I, yeah. so what a, any recommendations then? Because I'm assuming it's about oh, yeah. relationship stuff, right? So yeah. it's stuff we can all learn from. What would be your one if you did go to? What would you go for? Um definitely one of my favorite ones is what I I think it's called Things I Wish I, I Knew Before I Got Married. Yeah. Um <laughs> If He Only Knew, that was a good one. Um the five love languages, uh, that whole series with with Gary Chapman, that whole series with Gary Chapman, I think I think is is so that's a series. Yeah, there's multiple there's multiple books to have. Right, so I haven't delved in yet, and I've heard about it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And five love languages, and I was thinking it was something really complex. Right? Oh man! And then so, I, and then so, I went I went and read it. Is that it? Is that yeah. what you're about? <laughs> it's like yeah, seriously. It, you, you know, the, the thing about a grant is the fact that people really just don't educate themselves. They don't put the time to to learn. And some of the things that are so simple, it's, yeah. So many people think it's so profound, and I'm just like, like for instance, I remember we were doing. My wife and I did this this program, or girlfriend and I at the time, we did this thing called the engaged encounter. We weren't even engaged yet, but we did the engaged encounter. It was a three day program, um, and for us, I think we wanted to do it because we wanted to know. You know, how good this is, first of all. And number two, you know, are we prepared to even be engaged? Yep. And so we were the only couple there that wasn't engaged, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, everybody else was either engaged or married because the program also helps those mm-hmm. who are married. But, bro, when I tell you, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but, like, went through most of the program and 
we pretty much knew everything that they were telling us because these are things that we communicated throughout our relationship. Yeah. These are questions that we asked ourselves. We weren't one of those couples that were trying to just do, um, just do life and just enjoy the relationship in a, in a certain way and not necessarily have a, a deeper understanding of where we're going. You know, the first thing she told me when we were dating was I'm not dating a guy just because I want to, I just want to date around. If I'm dating you or if we're courting, I think that you're someone who I could potentially see yep. the marriage. And mind you, I'm like, we're 19 when she, when she's saying this. And I'm just like, and she was like, so don't waste my time. Hey, and I looked at up front, I, up front, up front. And, and you know what, bro? It actually helps me not like it because us as guys as in general, we, we play around, man. And, but the mere fact that she said that it also made me, take her that much more yep. seriously and i respected her that much more and so it, it was we were very we were very serious in our relationship we had a lot of fun man we had we had a lot of good times but we also took the time to have those deep serious conversations that everyone needs to go through no matter what age you're finding yourself in these in these deeper types of relationships so do you think that comes to your dad being a pastor and your mom being a teacher i think you said is it is that coming mm -hmm. for there because i mean at 19 right i mean i've had conversations with friends now and, you know, it's Scottish male for the West of Scotland. Disney yeah. talk philosophy in general. Disney yeah. talk personal development and growth in general, right? Yeah. So it's like, but that's been a, an eternal journey for me. I don't think I've ever been able to have that kind of conversation at 19. So for me, um, my, my, dad, my dad and my mom do play pivotal roles in my life in that regard. But I think one of the things that I had the advantage of that my brothers didn't have is watching them. So, and my sister, my sister, I have three brothers, one sister, and I'm the youngest. I was able to watch their mistakes. I was able to watch their successes and their failures. And so for me, why learn by experience everything? Of course, you got to learn certain things by experience. Yep. But why have to take everything by experience? Just take what you've seen and be able to, to put that into your life or figure out how that works for you. And so I saw many mistakes that my brothers made. I saw many um, things that uh, also like beautiful things that they've done for my sister. And so it, it was easier for me to try to navigate and also have deeper discussions with them. Mind you, my brother's 12 years older than me. So, and, and actually him and I were, were the closest out of all the siblings. So, I was constantly talking to this guy, you know, and he would be pretty upfront with me, you know, not graphic when I was a kid, but like, you know, he, he was upfront with me and told me certain things and don't do this and do what I did here. Don't, don't mess up here, you know, work harder, train your mind a certain way. You know, he was hard on me too, but he was also very, uh, very caring, very loving with, with how he dealt with me. So I, I take that as an advantage because I had four people who I could see on a daily basis, you know, my parents were always around, but, um, you know, so you, you connect with your siblings. And so when I was able to connect with them in that way and to learn from their mistakes, uh, it just, and, and to also, you have these longer, or I wouldn't say longer, but you have these deeper conversations. I'm not just always around my age group. Now I'm not just around 13 year olds or 10 year olds. I'm also around 22 year olds mm -hmm. and I'm also conversing with 22 year olds. And so I'm seeing what they're talking about at that age. And so it just, it just 
kind of gets you to be able to think farther along. And so that's like a lot of people, you know, they called me old soul. My brothers will definitely call me that and my sister because, um, you know, even like I love the 70s music. And they're like, what do you what do you know? You're like five years old and you, you love <laughs> 70s music i'm 95 i'm just like this is 1995 and they're like what were you like 50 like they used to like make fun of me because of that but like that's just, just what it was you know and and i think we just have to not everyone has that opportunity but but that's the thing about life not everyone has the same path but take advantage of the things that are in front of you and and try to try to uh, embellish your life in that direction whatever life has given you good or bad you know because a lot of crap has happened in my life too you know um and, and, the, and the reason why I even uh, I, like in the beginning, when I said that I'm a father um, to one that I'm able to father and the other that I'm not able to father is because my daughter, she passed away, uh, you know, 45 minutes after she was born, you know, um, and it was it was a point of time in my life that I just I spiraled, you know, and, and it destroyed me in, in that sense. But I was also able to find ways through God, through my my wife and I got stronger through that throughout that time as well, but we were able to find ways to to recoup and to to be better. And so it life throws so many different things at us. It's just a matter of us being able to hold on to what we whatever we can to to grow as an individual. Yeah, uh, I mean, sorry to hear that one. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a tough one. You know, it's a any parent. Yeah, will tell you. Um, but yeah, my, my wife's actual profession was prenatal, mm. so the while it wasn't hard, she kind of dealt with people through that one all the time, yeah. things like that all the time. So it's very, yeah. very tough. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about growth, and you know, like you see, I mean, you're saying is adversity brings growth, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's how you deal with it, it's how you move mm-hmm. forward. But I mean, you're also saying, like, you know, you are continuing. And it's that aspect is, is that what can I learn next? What can yeah. I learn next? What can I learn next? Yeah. And I've always been, I've been that kind of geeky one as well. And I kind of, I'll say, I'll stretch a wee bit and say, I, I can resonate with some of what you were saying is, is that some of that path mm. was about my own feelings mm. and no, but necessarily the growth path, but a feeling of, I'm behind and I need to get ahead. And how do I do this? And how do I learn this? initially and then it became the idea is like oh this is cool and then it became the awakening and the awareness side of things and then it became that passion right but initially it was like i'm no good enough Mm. and this was how i get better because i've always been geeky you know i was research read stuff like that and that was my way through it you know i wouldn't say i had too many mentors through life Mm -hmm. um because I can be a wee bit arrogant at times. <laughs> a wee bit opinionated and that kind of yeah. sometimes. The two of them don't necessarily go too well. But I would own who I was. And that Disney always got down well because, you know, it can, yeah, it can lead you to some unusual conversations. But yeah, so I'm the oldest of four and I have three youngers. And I, I wouldn't say that any of my, the two youngest took anything on board like they are completely and utterly polar opposites mm. to the older two and i spent years and years trying to figure that one out where does that come from why does that happen mm. where was the influence what was the change and 
no, could never come up with an answer. So it's really, really kind of interesting that you're saying you were looking towards your older brother and your sister and saying, okay, what are they getting in trouble for? Because that's not <laughs> happening to me. Yeah. What are they getting the good stuff for? Because I can play on that one. Mm. But at the same time, so what professions did your brothers and that take up? Right? Because you yeah. said you end up carrying the torch for the preacher side of things. So what did they become? Yeah, my, my brother went into finances, but he was a, my oldest brother, but he was a, a he's I not was a sorry he is a musical genius man the guy's just amazing you know um he could pick up an instrument right away and like I remember he picked up the bass one time and was able to play for a concert a month later wow and yeah so the guy's amazing at what he does you know and so um, I'm hoping he continues to to uh to embellish that and give it to the world man because he has a he has an art he has a, a genius in that uh, my, my second brother, you know, he went to Cornell University, um, and these guys were smart. Everyone was smart. My oldest brother finished high school at like 13 or something like that, um, and you know, so my my second brother went to Cornell University. Um, I think he skipped the grade as well. Um, let me see. And but he he was into he was started with medical school, but now more so into computer engineering. Uh, my my third brother. He's uh, into mechanic. He's a mechanic so, or mechanical engineering, actually. Sorry. And my sister, my sister, she is a social worker now. So but all of them were smart. Uh, every single one of them. I actually was the one in school that, you know, teach like they would get phone calls from teachers that said, you know, I've never made this phone call before because I'm not used to this. But wow, you know, your, your daughter or your son is so amazing. Like, wow, they're amazing in my, in my class. I love them to be around, all that stuff. And then I was the one that got the call of, you know, Brian, he's a great guy, but he just doesn't apply himself. And He's but, not like know, his brothers and sisters. Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely something that I did not follow in their footsteps for, was my, was my academics. Um, I did, like I said, I did, it, I was actually, well, actually I was the only one who went to summer school because I went to summer school in 10th grade for math. Uh, yes. Did anyone ever that one math? So did I. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I, and then after that point though, I remember I got high on a row every single quarter from, for junior and senior, because for me it was, I had to have the practicality method behind it. Why, why is this important to me? And so if I want to go to a certain school, I need to make sure that I have certain grades. Uh, it wasn't just, oh, just have the best grades just to be the best. It, like that didn't, um, that didn't, that wasn't my reward. Yep. My reward was I, I, I want to, to take what I know will help me in progress in whichever direction. I kind of took that with me in, in college too, or university. I, I, I did better in the classes that I knew I would use more. You know, mm -hmm. the classes that were just like regular courses, it was just, just make sure I get by. Um, and I'm not saying that that mindset is, is something that uh, many people that you should take, but I also, I started realizing in life, um, you know, later on that sometimes we always tell people to focus on what they're bad at and, and get that up. And what happens is the things that you're great at, you end up not even working on those things. And so you're basically a jack of all trades and you're able to to be at a certain level for all things but i'm i'm looking to excel in certain areas in my life i want i want to be 
um, known as, as, as the greatest in something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just, I just learned to, to excel in my gifts. You know, we're not, my dad told me just a couple of months ago, he was like, you can't have it all, man. (laughs) Because I I told him I wanted this, this uh, Haitian soup that we, that we have every single year, you know? Um, And I, and I miss it because we don't, I don't have too many Haitians around here in my area in Calgary because um, you know for the Haitian independence uh, day on January 1st you know we have this soup jumu that just basically takes us into the year new year to remind us of what our ancestors have done to, mm-hmm. for us to gain our independence and I called my dad I was like yo you made that soup jumu he's like yeah man I was like yo I, I need that man he's like yo you can't have it all and, and but legit like when I heard that I was like man he's so right though like in life you're just not you just really will not have it all but just work on what you have, you know, take what you, what you're able to use and, and move forward with that. So that's kind of just how I, how I move forward, man. One of the things that I want to be the greatest at is one of the greatest impact leaders of the world. And, and um, it starts with the small that I have now. It starts with the relationships that I have today. It starts with my podcast that I have now. And, and it's just, you know, making sure that I, I do everything that I can to, to build that path that I know is meant for me. One listener, one episode at a time. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Like, yeah. Now, draw you back to something you said, and you said it about your brother. Mm-hmm. And it's something I kind of, I use with my kids and totally believe in. And you said about sharing his gift with the world. Mm-hmm. Or similar to that. It's like, like he continues to share it. Yeah. So it's one of the questions I use with my kids is like, like how do you want to change the world? Yeah. It's not like what profession do you want to be? Yeah. You, how do you want to change the world? I right. That. I mean, if you're an, a numbers person in accounting, you can change it through accounts. It doesn't matter. It changes what you feel about something at that point, I believe. So true. So true. You know? Um, and it and it also helps so that if you're never like let's say if you just say what profession do you want to be? Now you're stuck to your passion and your path having to be one specific profession. And so if that doesn't happen, you feel lost. Mm-hmm. But when you say that you want to serve or how you want to impact the world, man, you could do that through so many different ways. And so no matter where you find yourself, you're still following that path and that journey. So I love that you tell your kids that, man. That's amazing. See, yeah, there's one of the other ones that they say, no, we've got some time stuff here, is that funnily enough, Scotland growing up in the new year, you mm-hmm. had soup. Mm. <laughs> it's That's like, pretty cool. It's like, I didn't uh, know that. Big pot of soup was made for new year. Um, so that was one of the things is like it was always a huge pot of soup for like wow. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I remember that one growing up. So it's kind of funny cross-culturally, you've got it yeah. um for Haitian community as well, you know. And it's one of them is to get a good pot of soup. It's hard to come by. Hey man, so that means if we ever meet up and we're there throughout the new year, we know to get some soup together. <laughs> some good soup yeah, but I think it's probably easier for me to make a Scottish soup than it will be for you to make a Haitian one. Yeah. It's not it's not that bad, man. Like if you get okay, the right hold on then. I'm stopping you right there. If it's not that bad, how did you not make your own? <laughs> I'm calling you on it. Come on, you give your oh, dad. Come on, where's my soup? Because I don't I don't I've never so I never tried it. I just never oh. tried it. Yeah. So I I you know I've tried other dishes and I'm not saying I'm not I'm I'm not a great cook, but I'm not a bad cook. You know, I'm like I'm cool i I can make some good stuff yeah but i feel like subjumu 
it's one of those things it's like you just need the right thing i don't know i i i don't feel maybe i just don't feel worthy to try oh, is it, something get yeah. something <laughs> nobody makes my mom and i ain't trying it myself <laughs> oh, assuming your mom made the soup it might be your dad's thing it was both of them, both of them yeah right? but my dad so my like, dad would make a good one so that's what you need to do once this thing's going yeah right and you can we're gonna travel own. again it's like dad teach me how to make soup yeah you're right you know Right now, there's an experience, you know, bonding moment. The whole it True. never stops, it really True. doesn't. You just have to be open to that. Uh, so I absolutely again love the conversation, love where it's going, man. It's Me too. absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's still stuff I could talk for hours actually and just keep digging and asking questions, yeah. man. But yeah, we've all got days, and I've got kids to pick up for school pretty soon, you know. Yeah. So I, Anything else? Is there something you would like to, I mean, because it's been jam-packed with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there something I've missed? Something I didn't ask? Something you would like to share with the world? Because like you say, is you want to impact the world and be the best at yeah. it. So let's assume this is going, going viral. Mm-hmm. We're going viral. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope it does something. Yeah, man. No, I, I, would, I would leave with the world, you know, what I say with my guests all the time and, and my listeners too. You know, do the thing that you're meant to do, you know, move, move forward in the path that you're, that you're called to do, man. Don't, and sometimes individuals will not know what that is. And they will try to lead you in a certain direction that, that they think is, is comfortable and, and makes sense for their mind mm-hmm. about you. But the thing is, there are certain paths, man, that, that individuals will not understand. They won't see the same vision, the same mission that's in your head that you've been given. And so this is important for for us as a people uh, to to take what we've what we have in our minds and to break bring it into the world. Um, I think Les Brown says it amazingly, but he says that you know so many so many uh, the greatest the wealthiest place in the world is the the graveyard because so many great uh, the ideas have gone to die. Ideas have gone yep. to die, you know. And why do we have to continue in that path? Why do we have to to allow that to be our story? Don't let it be your story, man. Whatever that is, you know, and people might not, like I said before, people might not understand it, but it's going to help reach someone. And so take that time, build that uh, business, build that hobby, do whatever it is that you're called to do, because that will be one of your greatest accomplishments in the world. At the end of the, at the end of your life, you'll be able to say, I did everything that I was supposed to do. So that's why I always tell my people, man, um, make it, make it happen and make it a reality for your life. Yeah, you got to own your story. Yeah, for sure. And you got to make it yours. For sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't get that. That's, that's brave. Mm. You know, a lot of people coast through on somebody else's idea of what they should or shouldn't be. Yep. Yeah. Um, but taking a step up to own your own. Yeah. It's key, man. It's more key. of power to you. And if that's what you're encouraging the world more the power to you i mean I, in my head i don't don't tell me why this is i, I want to show amen right and normally it's just kind of, <laughs> i was like it's just one of these gonna say it's like amen man it's yeah, like, you know yeah. it's like no i can't like it's that. just inappropriate to <laughs> no it, it was funny enough amen just means so be it it's yeah true. So, i know amen. but amen you know that. it's just <laughs> the certain context is like from my personal perspective like yeah you can't say that right now just just, just shut up darling shut up <laughs> but that was just what you're saying is like yeah go out and own your stuff yeah man and write your story yeah. and i was like 
guy, but he's got it spot on. You know, I am so glad I reached out. I am like, yeah, I'll share another beer with you anytime you feel like it. Anytime. Absolute pleasure, sir. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. And I'll speak to you again. Cheers, Brian. Take it easy. You too. Thanks.